This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together where we discuss the last seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe to the channel to be the first to see the new videos. As always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons who make all of this possible. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thanks to our sponsors this week, Pundit Games. Pundit is the new card-based football trivia game that you can play anywhere. You can play as a group or just in a pair. Rounds last around 45 minutes and there's 900 questions to get through across various categories like the 90s Premier League, the Three Lions and the World Cup. Now Pundit are offering TSP listeners 20% off their purchase when they use the code SAINTS. Just head to punditgames.co.uk and you'll be able to enter the code as you check out. You'll also find a link to the website and the code in the YouTube and the podcast description. Now, coming up this week on the pod, we saw Saints fighting back from 3-1 down to secure a valuable point against Tottenham at St Mary's. Plenty of talking points from that one. Wednesday was a good chance to climb out the bottom three with a win over Brentford, but true to form, Saints fluffed their lines. But was the game lost before kickoff? And when the Premier League resumes after the international break, it's going to be a trip to West Ham, so we'll preview that game. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LaCour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Alfie House is the Southampton reporter for the Southern Daily Echo. All underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 226 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, in a season of so many lows, absolute credit to the team for fighting back from 3-1 down to secure what could be a very valuable point against Tottenham. At St Mary's, Steve, going to start with you this week. It wasn't perfect, but it was better to watch and a decent end to the game. 
That was good fun. Yeah, really enjoyed it, especially that second half. First half, I thought we were we were decent enough, albeit sort of gave Spurs worrying amount of space down our flank on the counter attack, which they kind of eventually um, took advantage of. But I think we'd given the the sort of injury disruption in in the first half of both teams. I mean, Spurs were lucky in that. Um, the subs that they were able to bring on were actually better than the players that they um, brought off, whereas we we didn't quite have that um, that luxury. But we we adjusted quite well, I thought, and and yeah, played played some good stuff. A few individuals stood out. I thought Walcott was excellent. Which I mean, I think ultimately, I mean, he's he's got a large volume of work against Spurs, hasn't he, from his uh, from his Arsenal days, and um, seems to does seem to particularly enjoy playing against them. But no, I mean, I, I kind of struggle actually to go go through that lineup and and find anyone who who played. Played badly, really. It was it was just a just a good all all round performance. Even even though Yunusi, I thought was 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 all right, especially first half. But it's yeah, but it's just um, but it's just one of those you you come up against the better teams. You've got to kind of have everything fall your way, and it didn't quite. It, it felt. I mean, once we went three one down, you just thought, well, kind of roll your eyes. You think, well, we've we've not quite. Um, taking advantage of those little periods when we were on top. Fraser Forster made a couple of couple of good saves. One from Maitland Niles and that one from um, Mara. When um, you kind of thought, okay, well, we're we're definitely sort of in the ascendancy here. But you can't can't. Um, I mean, I've, I've banged on about this so many times on here. Stop the cross coming in because when you've got when you've had to bring in Maitland Niles to play at centre back. I mean, as I say, I, I think he, he did he, he acquitted himself really well in that position, given it's probably probably about fifth on his list of positions that he's um, comfortable playing, um, if not lower. And yet he's kept Kane fairly quiet up until the one time where he didn't. Um, but. Basically, him and Walker Peters at the back post were never going to be able to outjump him. So in that situation, you've just got to stop that cross coming into the box. And unfortunately, we didn't do enough to to prevent that. Um, so that was probably the only disappointing thing about the game, really. I thought that other than that, attacking-wise, we looked like we had a little bit of invention about ourselves. Don't know whether that was anything different that we did or maybe that, that Spurs were just quite open. And I mean, to be honest, from midfield, from midfield backwards, we're actually just quite bad. And I mean, I've seen a lot of reaction where people have said, well, I mean, that's that's we should have had three points out of that game. But at the end of the day, when you're three one down with 15 minutes to go and you, you take something out of the game, you've 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 got to be I think you've got to be quite, quite pleased with with the way that we've uh, way that we fought back. And you've got you've now got two weeks to prepare for what's looking like a massive game at, at West Ham. That's a good point, um, Glenn, about the international break. A solid performance to take into the, the break because we don't play for a fortnight now. And I think what impressed me most was that you got the impression that the heads never dropped yesterday. No, they didn't at all. And and we actually did something. You know, we actually did something about the fact that we were behind. And um, we're going to talk about the Brentford game mm. in a minute, which is one of a, a long list of games this season where we've gone behind, done absolutely nothing. And I know Ruben Sellers is probably going to get a bit of bit of stick about the Brentford game you've you've already set that one up but in in the in the Spurs game okay the first two substitutions were forced upon him the triple sub they all three players who came on were effective including Sekumara which really really surprised me because you know at least we know which one of the chuckle brothers he is now the one that's, <laughs> the one, that's the one that's still alive clearly so <laughs> so yeah he did really well when he came on and um you know he uh he had a hand in the second goal and um, and uh, forced that really good save out of Forster as well. So uh, so I think, you know, we actually, maybe because we were two down, 
it kind of forces your hand. You've got to go for it um, in the situation that we're in. Um, but it was nice that, um, you know, it was nice that things worked out and uh, all the players who came on, including Alcaraz, just excellent. And yeah, I totally agree with sort of Steve's summary of the game. The only thing is, is that the bottom line is we've only got one point out of two home games. Yeah. So, and I think Spurs were there for the taking, but you're 3-1 down with 15 to go. So, so happy days. It, it just seemed a shame to me. Well, I was sat there when we were 3-1 down thinking it's a real shame that we've been decent attack-wise today and we've been good defensively recently, but we've swapped around. You can't match them up. Yeah, yeah we swapped around today, and the, the the first goal was was just abysmal because we'd let that the Spurs right back Porro had two have two shots, and that he blazed over the bar. And as soon as the ball went out to him, um, I noticed Perro was basically had followed someone into the central areas, hmm. and it's it's fine to do that if the man you're supposed to be marking has been tracked back by the left midfielder or any other midfielder, but for for Porro to have that much space, that was just so amateurish. There was obviously a breakdown in communication somewhere along the way there. So, um, so that that was horrible. And you know, as, as Steve said, I, I don't blame anyone for this for the second goal. Yes, we should have stopped the cross. It's good header. Um, third goal again. You know, they 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 brought on Kulisewski and Perisic by accident. They weren't in the starting lineup. Mm. I think Kulisewski crossed the ball in for both the second and the third goal. Perisic scored one. So, you know, so Conte's meltdown after the game, um, it would have been even worse if, if he hadn't brought on those two. And, you you know, you obviously don't like, I, I kind of hold myself to certain standards and, and with regards to wishing injuries on players, you, you never do that. But when Richarlison gets injured in the first minute, it's really funny. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> couldn't, just couldn't help myself with him stuffing his head in his shirt and uh, making it, Making a big performance out of it, out of uh, leaving the pitch. Just there were tears, off. weren't there? Tears as he left. Well, I assume so. Get off, mate. No one likes you. Go away. <laughs> you haven't scored a goal all season, and it was one less player to score against us. So, no, I was. Um, it was it was enjoyable, and it was it was nice for us down the chapel end as well because I think that's all three goals in the second half. I don't think we've seen. It feels like we haven't seen a goal down that end since about October. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that was. That was quite nice. So yeah, it was a, it was an enjoyable game. But I, I do, I you know, in isolation, you're delighted with getting a point, having been 15 minutes from a you know three one mm. down. But uh, but yeah, over, overall, one point out of two home games doesn't feel like enough to me. Yeah, well, we'll get onto that a bit later. Um, Alfie, I guess as as Glenn said, you kind of settled for a point before the game. But what were your thoughts when that final whistle went? How did you think it all worked out? Yeah, a little bit of relief to be fair. I suppose it's sort of something Glenn said is is really typical of Saints that the first time they score three league goals in a game this season, they also go on and concede three as well. So <laughs> you don't get the reward for that really. But yeah, that, like Glenn mentioned, the first goal, I think um Roman actually pointed to um to Pedro Poro uh, and I must have been signaling to Moyo Yunis or something to, to come in and, and track him and then you know obviously that hasn't happened and he's completely switched off at that point. So I agree with Glenn that that's a, an awful bit of defending from Roman, who a player obviously I, I like a lot. Um, but yeah, I thought it was yeah, it was exciting. Like like I said, we hadn't seen goals this season, and I tweeted before the game actually about the front four. Which I'm, I'm going to keep on tweeting things as well because I jinx it every time now, and whatever I say is wrong. So I'll keep on saying negative things about them. They'll perform, but I, I can't believe they spent fifty million pounds on forwards, and yet the best four options they've got are the ones that were here last year and weren't good <laughs> enough then. You know how how has that happened? But 
to their credit, I mean, you know, Steve mentioned Theo Walcott made a lot of things happen, found a lot of space. You know, Stuart Armstrong only did, did their work and Chad Adams scored for the first time to the member as well. So they actually found those those little pockets of space. And it becomes abundantly clear to me now that I think Steve mentioned it maybe before we went on air. Um, but Southampton is so much better attacking the teams that are, that are meant to be on the ball and meant to have the impetus. You know, when a team like Brentford says to them, right, well, come and come on and break us down. We're not going to give you the space. They, they just can't. They have, they have no way of getting in. They don't like scoring all night. Um, you know, Brentford then just mastered them on set plays and, and destroyed them. We'll get onto that as well. But now they're going to go on and face, you know, I can't exactly remember. Is it, is it you know, Man City's too much? But the other teams, I can't quite remember who we have, but there, there are there are teams there that are going to want to be attacking and want to be on the ball. And they're the ones I actually feel more comfortable with something taking on and potentially scoring. Yeah, we've got West Ham away. I don't think it's Manchester City at home, Palace at home, Arsenal away as well. Mm. That's going to be an interesting one. And then that Bournemouth game, which they've moved to the, the Thursday night. So um, some tough ones coming up. Um, Steve, let's get into some of the specifics. A lot of people saying that might have been Theo Walcott's best game in a Saints shirt since his return. He, he, he seemed really up for that yesterday. And 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 he's the surprise hero in this this little run of form under Sellers. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately he's, he's a guy who's stuck his hand up and... and put in the performances. I mean, we, we mentioned it a couple of weeks back, the Grims, particularly Grimsby game, where he came on with, what, half hour, 35 minutes to go and just showed up everybody else on that pitch um, with just, just the most... I mean, kind of didn't actually seem as if it was anything out of the ordinary. It was just some basic movement yeah. that was suddenly then causing Grimsby a whole load of problems. And, I mean, we've seen what Brighton Brighton did to Grimsby this afternoon. in that, And actually, Grimsby's performance was no different um, to what they put in at St Mary's um, a couple of weeks ago. It was just that um, Brighton got the early breakthrough and they didn't... Sh- well, their keeper tried to shoot themselves in the foot, but they um, they got <laughs> away with it on VAR. But then, yeah, second half, they just uh, foot to the throat and got it done. But yeah, in, in terms of individuals, Walcott, as I say, is experienced pro, um, clearly has a lot of personal and professional pride. And ultimately, there's there's a few there's a few players in that squad who maybe um, should be taking a little bit of a look in the mirror and 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 sort of glancing over to Theo and and saying, well, I mean, this guy's just turned 34 years old and has worked his way back into back into the team, and he's mm. he's ultimately, let's be honest, he's one of the first names on the team sheet now, yeah, um, and deservedly so. And and as I say, there's there's players in that in that dressing room who. Should frankly be embarrassed that they've um, they've got in that their performances have been so bad that they've let somebody like Walcott, who let's be honest, we all we all expected him to be completely winding winding down um, this season um, after not showing a great deal last season, and yet he's shown them all up and um, absolute credit um, credit to him. It's, it's his movement. It, it mm. he's again against Brentford. I know we're going to talk about that later, but there was no movement. In front of the midfield, just just none, and he'd been left out of that game. And the inclusion of Walcott and Stuart Armstrong, to a lesser degree, gives you two players with slightly more intelligence who are happy to, you know, try and dart away from their marker. Stuart Armstrong will make runs sort of diagonally across the pitch, and he'll turn up in the in the central areas, and and that means defenders have got to pass him on or you know communicate to to try and get things sorted. Um, but Theo Walcott is is always on the move. He's never just static, being being marked by someone. And we have too many players who 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 just stand there. You know, you you know, stand there behind. You know, in between, there's a there's an opposition player in between the ball and where they are. 
and and that's the that's the key to making your attack and play work and it's been it's been so obvious this season that that's been a problem and it annoys the hell out of me because surely it's a coachable thing hmm. and it it, it it is something that bothers me and and as steve said when when a 34 year old striker who's done everything Hmm. let's face it he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be bothered he's had a brilliant career whatever hmm. he does from here on in maybe he's maybe he's angling for another contract you know and it's the it's the classic case of his contract winding down and he's uh he's he's now really putting it in but he he just makes a difference and it it comes to something when you you have a to rely on a 34 year old who most people would regard as a has-been to to come in and 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 make the difference that he does We've spoken to Theo twice after recent games. He's, he's implicitly aware of that role. I think he, he really believes that the young players probably do need to step up a little bit. And he, he thinks that he is the one who can guide them and show them you know, what they need to do. And I think it shows for sure. And he speaks really well, Alfie, doesn't he? When he does the interviews, you know, he, he, he he's not just trotting out all the cliches. You know, he, he clearly wants to do everything he possibly can to keep the club mm. in the league. And we're going to need players like that. He does speak so well. I think when I see people say, you know, hopefully Theo stays in, in a coaching capacity or some kind of academy role, He's going to get paid a lot more money to do media gigs somewhere else because he, he is such a good speaker. He's clearly quite intelligent. He's got a lot of passion about the game and a publication will pay a lot of money to take him on, a lot more than somebody probably would to, to coach 18-year-olds, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the thing. The other player, of course, Alfie, that came in yesterday was was Lavia and we, we need to mention that his part in that goal because that pass for Che Adams, I think it was, or that when the pass in the lead-up to Che Adams' his goal, that's the kind of thing that's been missing from, from our matches when he isn't playing. He was, he was key again for me. Yeah, he's just an unbelievably good player, isn't he? Let's be honest. Um, uh, uh, yeah, just he's was he nineteen years old, and uh, I can't fathom it. He's so clever. And he has he has actually got that ball down to the lock, that that wide ball, uh, cutting the, both the winger and the centre fielder out completely in that channel, and and playing somebody in. And I think I spoke to a couple of supporters at the Giddy Bridge yesterday after the game. Actually, went there for a couple of pints with um, a couple of supporters to see what people were saying. And how was that? Yeah, it was all right actually. It wasn't too bad. They didn't let me in at first, so I didn't bring my ID, which is a bit stupid. But I thought I looked over eighteen by now, um, so I had to walk back down. Maybe honestly, maybe it is. Yeah. Since, since, since when have Weatherspoon's given given a damn about you being over eighteen? Big Saturday yeah. night for them, wasn't it? Um, but somebody pointed out that I think at the end of the game, Remy Lavia, he's he's one of the, he's always the one that's leading the celebrations. He clearly loves it, doesn't he? He loves getting involved. He's been seen in like Twitter Spaces and all these things listening but he's there sort of pointing at the ground and getting players to come over and really get stuck in the celebrations and he's such a big fan favorite you just only hope that they can do enough to persuade him this will be the place to stay yeah fingers crossed um, just going just going one more thing on that lavia yeah. can only play that pass because walcott makes the run mm, yeah true. and and this this is what was pro- the problem at brentford everyone was digging into diallo for not not passing the ball and yes he's not as good a passer of the ball as lavia is obviously but we could have had the two best midfielders in the world playing in that Brentford game. Such was the lack of movement that it, they wouldn't have been able to find a pass forward anyway. So it's yeah. all very well getting frustrated because we go sideways and backwards. But if no one makes a run, you, you can't do it. It's the old cliche. It's called pass and move. You can't have one without the other. Simple. Just a word, Steve, on those the January signings. Malfi was talking about his his tweet there. It is that reflection that it really hasn't worked when we've got fifty million pounds worth of forwards <laughs> that we signed, and they're clearly not good enough. That crying out for them to start yesterday, and and they're deemed not good enough again. It, it's been a bit of a mess the the January signings. Um, I disagree on Sulemana. I thought his yeah. his impact was was really important. Um, yesterday and it was it was odd wasn't it that we've we've seen him try to make those those runs and those um those tricks against fullbacks and um none of it's come off um to date and yet he comes on for what 25 minutes or so yesterday 
And every single time he's got the beating of whoever it is he's coming up against, whether he's got two or three players on him, he finds a little way through. So that is kind of the demonstration of exactly what we've seen in him and why we've paid out the money we have. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still young. And we have we do have to kind of accept that, yes, we spend big money by our, on our terms um, to bring these players in. And there is an automatic expectation that these guys hit the ground running, but they are still human beings. And it's not, it's not a given that a player will adapt immediately to their, to their new surroundings, especially, I mean, especially given the guys that came in in January coming into the absolute mess that the club, that the club was under, um, under Nathan Jones, it was just complete carnage. And, and it would be understandable for any player coming into that environment to kind of look around and go, what the hell am I walk- have I walked into here? Also, on, on Ratchu probably hasn't been given as much opportunity as, as he might have done, given um, A, his price tag, and B, his goal record this season, um, it, albeit in Belgium. At the end of the day, he's still got more goals than any any of our other players. So it would, be, would have been interesting to see what, um, what he'd be like, but I thought Mara came on and and was excellent, and that was exactly the sort of um, thing that we saw when he kept, when he did the same against Leeds back in August. Come off the bench at two 0 down, and you kind of think, well, sod it, I haven't got anything to lose, and put in the exact sort of performance that we that we've been looking for. And the key is to now kind of extend that and get a bit more consistency. Um, from these players, whether it's off the bench or from a starting role, because I think I think everyone probably would have expected Suleimana to have started yesterday, but maybe coming coming off the bench in the way that he did meant that he could go full throttle for those twenty five minutes. Didn't need to have any sort of um, uh, sort of managing of his energy load or any or any of this sort of stuff that players will naturally go through during the game. Because um, there was a period like at one all where basically both teams seemed to decide right. We, we both need a rest here, so let's just knock it around the back for five minutes. Because that second half was, was apart from those five minutes, was just absolute chaos. At the end of the day, with, the, with new signings, you spend money, you, you want to have kind of instant return. But realistically, as long as, long as they're contributing enough, and I think Suleimana um, has shown enough, I mean, Bree is filled in at right back when 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 needed to. I think at the end of the day, he, he was only ever going to be a stopgap because we needed a player in that position he was available for very little money he was the right price at the right time yeah exactly really. and I've, and i wouldn't even necessarily associate him as a nathan jones signing i think he's a yeah jones knew about him um but he was he was available for for absolutely the right price for for a short term i mean it may well be that that we sell him sell him on somewhere in in the summer and an upgrade again but um he's kind of come in and He's been thrown in at the deep end, but he's 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 not he's not been not been awful at all. He's done done what's needed to be really. So yeah, I mean overall January money we've spent a lot, but there's never there's never a surefire success, especially at the at the sort of levels of funding that we're talking about. I mean if we're if we were City or um, United or Chelsea spending spending those sort of money those sorts of sums, then I think you've got more more reasonable expectation of a of an immediate return. And you're kind of seeing with Chelsea that actually even even in their situation that may be unrealistic. Mm. Um because they're properly sort of disjointed because of just because of how many um how much um stuff they've thrown at the wall and just just trying to trying to make something stick. It's it's not an easy game. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Do you think, Alfie, the international break is come at the right time? It's a good opportunity. I can't imagine the players getting much time off. Um, they're not going to be told to go to Dubai for a week, are they? So is, is this a good opportunity to work on patterns and play and things with, with the new guys that came in? I think it's just all, it is also a need the opportunity to rest the body. I think that's what is it six games in three weeks? Is it back to back for three weeks in a row potentially? And they're going to have to work out something in terms of that back line. Obviously, we don't know how long Yad Bednarik will be out, but hopefully, Yan is just a couple of weeks. But Ahmed Balakotchap is certainly waiting on a specialist to tell him how long he'll be out for and whether that's he needs surgery that he didn't have in order to make the World Cup, which I think is a totally understandable decision to make as a young player. You want to, you know, you want to go to the World Cup of your country. But it might cost him a few months now. Um, so we'll have to see what that is. But I think he's, he's definitely needed a, a mental reset. Think about the final 10. 10 is a nice round number as well. They, you know, Ruben Sellers is a process-driven manager and he'll he'll be thinking about how to attack this 10 as a block of 10 rather than just match by match. Um, in terms of working the patterns of play, I don't know exactly how they go forward from here because we obviously we saw the 4 triple 2 at the weekend. It looked like 4-3-3 was going to be the way. Um, they are they are linking up well. Camel Dean, like you say, is a good impact option. I don't know what the best 11 is right now. I really don't. And I think I probably should. Um, do you know the best point. seven or eight? Because that's what Sellers was talking about, wasn't it? Having that mm. core of, of seven or eight players. Do you think that's that's the important thing and the others can, can fit mm. in around that? But I'd, I'd have told you a week ago that the midfield three of Charlie Alcaraz, James Will-Prowse and Romeo Lavia had to happen. But when you see the, you know yesterday's game, you can think that actually this four triple two, that Alcaraz doesn't really fit in that system. Um, and he's he's too good to almost not play. But where are you going to... Where are you going to utilise him in that? Um, so I think there's definitely things for them to work out. And it's a welcome two-week break. It really is. Um, I'm going to have a week off as well. But I'm going to try and rest myself, for sure. <laughs> you You've know been that trying to have this week off for about a month, haven't you? <laughs> I did actually have what, a week off. I'm having another one because <laughs> we're all lucky. Um, quick word on Prousey, Glenn. Um, soft mm. penalty, but we'll take it. Um, a spot kick. You haven't scored the last two against your old next-door neighbour and, <laughs> and your best mate. Yeah. Uh, I think um, in yeah, my yeah. Paul best Mercy, mate. Paul his best mate was, was, yeah, his best mate was kicking the hell out of the penalty spot when no one wasn't looking. I oh, saw of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, a few people so. joking that he might have asked him a, a wall on the line just to uh, to bend it around the wall. But nervous for him, I I certainly was. I just thought, oh gosh, this this could go either way. Well, it it took some bottle. Bearing in mind he's missed his last two 90th minute penalty to rest your point against. Yeah, like you say, is um a player who he's probably practiced against hundreds of times. That's um. That took some bottle. I thought Sekimara was going to take it because he grabbed the ball, and I thought, oh, they've handed it over to someone else. And I was no, that, that's, I, that's a t- that's a tactic to avoid any of the um, any of the mind game stuff. Yeah, um, I've, I've yeah. seen a few seen a few teams do this now, where someone who's got no got no business uh, getting involved basically picks the takes the ball. So you kind of think that 
the defend the defending team basically goes after him uh, trying to get in their head and then as soon as the ref says right put the ball down you just hand it over yeah, um, and they they've had they've had nothing the take the actual takers they've had nothing in in their head for however long it's taken to keep it checking know, his water bottle <laughs> yeah yeah cuz they cuz he did he kicked the spot up and then one of our players went and stood on the spot to stop anyone else doing it and I, it yeah it all got a bit silly cuz it was the 90th minute i assume there was some sort of var check to to make sure that he had actually yeah. made contact with them Maitland yeah, the, the, the best the best angle for that. I mean, you you look at most of the angles, and it doesn't look like there's any contact at all. But then there's an angle from high up behind the chapel end, um, where looking down, you can you can clearly see he's, he's kind of kicked the side of his um, of yeah. his calf. It's a bit it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Because you know, as a defender, he's he's just gone to smack the ball away, and it, mm. and, in the, and in the process of yeah, in the process of swinging his leg. Um, Maitland Niles has come across him, so yeah, it's a tough one. But at the end of the day, you you booted a player in the penalty area, so it's 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 going to be a penalty. So um, so I was glad going back to Prousey. I'm glad he changed sides. Um, Although it was obvious he was going to change sides. Yeah, <laughs> Austin knew he was going to change sides. And and bearing in mind how big Fraser is and how high he can yeah. get his his hand up, he saved a few in over the on years a, on a dive. He, you know, that was that was a perfect penalty. Well, he, he saved one last week against Forest. Yeah, hmm. but that that was unsavable the way he hit that. So, uh, yeah, brilliant. And uh, and you end up looking at your watch, thinking, how long is there to go? You know, <laughs> can we nick it? I was thinking Omri Kamara in that ultimately unsuccessful. Um, attempt to avoid relegation in 2005 and we beat Norwich 4-3. I was thinking maybe come on but um no it was it was it was not to be but it was um yeah it was a, it was a brilliant moment for Prousey to um to actually knock a penalty in and I think he uh, he would have been very very relieved bearing in mind who was in goal. Yeah, relief all round. Um I promised a shout out to Sarah who says uh, yesterday I wore my TSP t-shirt so does that mean it's a lucky charm? Well, you'll have to wear it for the West Ham game, Sarah, and let us know how you get on. But in terms of the league table, unfortunately, it doesn't change much. We've got to get on to the the Brentford game. If Spurs was a good fight back that showed plenty of spirit, Brentford was just one of those games that disappointed on so many levels. Steve going to start with the the team selection, I guess. Lavia and Walcott dropping out of the team, Elenusi, Diallo coming in. We were all like what on earth is going on? Could you could you understand why he he made the changes? I know he was trying to justify it afterwards. He was asked about it and rightly so, but it 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 was it was a strange one for me. The just yeah, the justification I thought was kind of a little bit disingenuous, but managers will always kind of shield uh players from it, from any... it was a no brainer it was a no brainer to bring yeah. him in. Yeah, he says it was a no brainer because uh, he played three games in a certain amount of time. So Ibrahim Diallo had been working really well. It was a no brainer. I mean yeah, I mean as I mean as I've said before, we we've got no idea what goes on at, at Staplewood um day in, day out. So I mean it may well be that Diallo has has looked amazing in those um, training sessions, but I mean the guys, the guys around him. I mean, regardless of whether he was whether Diallo himself was any good or not, the guy, as Glenn mentioned earlier, the guys around him gave him gave him absolutely nothing. There was no movement around him. Nobody was um, nobody was showing for a pass um, that wasn't basically um, eye of a needle, one percent chance of actually pulling it off. A couple of times he tried it and he kind of almost got through, but they didn't at the end of the day and. It was, and the problem is that everyone then takes their frustration out on him, and he, he his confidence drops. So what does he do? He then turns and plays a safe pass every time. And he wasn't the only one that did it. Prousey was doing it a lot. 
Pero was doing it a lot rather than try and take on the um, take on their fullback. And yeah, it was it was just frustrating. Uh, Brentford came for a point um, with the with the intention of if they get set pieces, then right, this is where we're going to hurt them. And we gave we gave them basically three really good opportunities in that first half hmm. from corners. And third time lucky, they they kind of got it right. Having been given those let offs, there should have been a little bit of a chat and a reorganisation because those were the same corners that we were getting done by Leeds back in August. Um, exactly the same. Near post flick, leave someone completely unmarked at the far post. And it seems as if we're, we're still not quite learning our lesson from these. Um, so that, that was that was kind of the biggest concern, I thought, from from the Brentford game. There was there was a lot of effort. And, I mean, look at the possession stats. I think we had something like 75% possession in that second mm. half. Uh, Brentford basically didn't bother getting out of their half until that breakaway goal in injury time. I mean, I, it's it's been a while since I've seen a team that is that determined to basically take all of the time off the clock um, in such a cynical way as they did. I mean, it must have been seven players down injured in that second half. Throw-ins were taking more than a minute to get back in play. Goal kicks, at least that, if not more. David Rea constantly picking the ball up and moving it to the other side of the goal, having already placed it down. But the ref had no interest in it, and he was he was quite happy just to just to get out of there with the bare minimum, really. Um, so that was that was frustrating. But I think let's let's be honest, we could have played that game all night and um, and not come anywhere near scoring. So it's not down to the down to the time wasting that. Um, that we lost that game, but it's just one. It's another. It's another thing that kind of piles up on top of the kind of disappointment that you see, because if we'd, if 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 there was a sense at the start, like early in the game, because Ray was doing this like in the first five minutes um, with the goal kicks, if there was a sense that the referee was going to be keeping on top of this, then at least the players know that they've got plenty of time in this game because the ref isn't going to mm. allow time to just drift away. And and yet, from the very first whistle, he was allowing it all to go on and we got, yeah, and we got the bare minimum. I mean, I think it was, what, seven minutes added second half? And, I mean, they had, as I say, they had six or seven um, injury stoppages, all the subs. Obviously, Janssen came on and somehow managed to split his head open inside 30 seconds. Um, it was just ridiculous. So I mean it's and it's surprising, isn't it, given the sort of media darling tags that Brentford have got for playing this sort of free flowing football, high energy, and yet there wasn't really any of that. It was all stop start. It was right, get the game stopped, someone go down injured, somebody disrupt mm. everything, someone someone be a pain in the backside to um to somebody so they get a reaction. Like when to like Tony goes and leaves a foot in on on Bazunu with um, with a few minutes to go. Bednarek and and absolutely fair play to him for doing this. He he in like we've had a pop at Bednarek for lack of team spirit and and all all the rest of it for the last two years really, and yet he he's the guy that's seen Tony do this and he's gone in and confronted him about it and he's absolutely right to do so. But of course that situation then takes another thirty seconds to a minute off the clock. Um, Bednarek gets a booking and. And yeah, so that's that's more more time that's gone, and it's it's just oh, it was just in infuriating, and it was one of those you just think, well, I mean, ref might as well just blame for full time at the start of the second half mm. um, because we were never going to be able to build up ahead of steam while he was allowing all of that uh, to go on. Even like if we if we basically put that put yesterday's second half performance in against Brentford. We wouldn't have been able. We wouldn't have been able to um, to do it because we'd have never never built up any sort of momentum at all. It was it's just a dreadful watch. 
Is this Glenn ultimately going to be our our down? I mean, there'll be lots of things that will be our downfall come the end of the season. But the the points that we get against Chelsea, United, Spurs, they they just don't mean as much when we follow them up with games like Leeds and and Brentford. And I've got sort of one eye on West Ham that's coming up. It's a game which we think mm. we ought to get more out of, it and we don't. Is is that going to be the problem come the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it before. It's been a hell of a lot of fifty fifty games that we've had this season and we've we've lost virtually every one, um, usually scoring nil. You know, I'm only speaking from experience of our most recent top flight relegation in 2005. This is exactly what we did then. We lost, again, we lost all the winnable games or didn't win them. And, um, you know, usually we talk about Saints season will be defined by the games against the other 14, if you like, and the games against the big boys are, are, are bonus games. But if our season was defined by results against the other 14, we'd be down already. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, no one was expecting two wins out of Chelsea. I don't know, they're not one of the big boys, but no one would have been expecting two wins against Leicester either because they're seen as, at the yeah. start of the season, they were seen as one of the, you know, the the better other teams. Yeah, so that, so that tells us that with the games coming up against, you know, City, Arsenal, Newcastle, maybe we can get something out of those. But we can't be going to West Ham and losing because we're, we're at that stage now with 10 games to go. We, we, you know, we, we, we cannot be losing that game, but this Brentford game was, was another one where you're looking at it thinking, you know, Brentford at home, they've just lost at the end of the day. Yeah. They're doing well this season, but they're, they're beatable in the same way. A game, you know, Fulham are doing well this year, but again, they're beatable. And, um, um, we just didn't do enough, you know. We let in the we let in the rubbish goal from the free kick, which had been coming, and and then did nothing. And it and it was it was just desperately disappointing again. And we've had it on a few occasions last year where we had a chance to win to like break into the top half, mm. and or, or before that we've had a chance to win to. Um, oh no, my dog's making an appearance. We, <laughs> um, you know, we had a chance to to win to break into a European place or whatever, and. Every time we've had that sort of opportunity to do something concrete in the league, it's, um, you know, we've, um, I'm trying to think of a polite way of putting it. Yeah, bottled <laughs> messed, it. Messed Blown the it. bed, basically. <laughs> um, we've, we've messed the bed and it hasn't happened. So uh, so it, it, it does worry me that, you know, if we've got a game towards the end of the season where win this and we'll stay up, it just seems to be something about the mentality. So so whilst the, um, the mentality against Tottenham was great, the mentality against Brentford, wasn't and we we can't afford any more of these missteps you know we've got to be competitive in every game from here on in and just pick up as many points as we can obviously and what will be will be with the league table at the end but I don't I don't want to dwell on the game too much Alfie but um maybe just final point did we underestimate them did I underestimate them I thought this was the free hit we're going to win we're going to move up to 16th or 17th and it's going to be happy days but actually they are masters of wasting time they've been playing together a long time they're obviously a bit of a threat but they were happy to kind of sit in and, and run the clock down and that first goal changed the game so in a way did, did we underestimate them a bit it, it's a tough game yeah they are they are masters of wasting time and whatnot I do think that's a little bit um undersells them a little bit I think they they are a genuinely very good team they know how to play against good teams and they know how to play against bad teams as well like like some of them have been this season I think the warning signs were there from the last two times you've been to Griffin Park and and it's a very similar sort of game plan for them isn't it just a destroy this uh you know defensively relatively naive team aerially and then not give them any spaces to attack and say actually you're gonna have to work out your own bits of quality to try and get through our defense um you know because we're not 
and we, we don't believe that you'll do that. So I, I, I didn't, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say this now because I predicted a win versus Brentford and I predicted a loss versus Spurs. But on reflection, it, it probably was very predictable that, that Brentford would come to St. Mary's and, and would, would grind it out like that. Um, I agree with Glenn wholeheartedly in terms of while I've been impressed by what I've seen at, at certain times by Southampton, I'm still a little bit worried about that that big game moment. And when I say big game, I don't mean going to Old Trafford or, or whatnot. I mean playing against, like, say, Leeds um, or somebody else, Bournemouth even. You know, that Bournemouth game's going to be huge, by the way. And you just have to hope that quality um, is enough there because they Southampton is a better team than Bournemouth. I, I don't doubt that for a second. But yeah, so I do worry a little bit, you know, can they pull out in a big moment? I think people like Jan Bednarek, as much as they are, they are chaotic. You know, they, they have to be the drivers of that. You know, it can go one or two ways, can't it, with someone like Jan? We saw it at Griffin Park last year. It's not in Griffin Park, is it? Brentford Community Stadium last year. Just how much he could be destructive in the back line but it looks like they're going to need him this time around um so yeah a little bit worried but we live in hope well the international break is probably going to be key a chance for the the team to work hard spend a bit of time with some of the the new signings as well um and then of course it's west ham um on the sunday afternoon steve it's gonna we're gonna probably see some changes depending on injuries and who might recover at the back over the course of the next two weeks but what have you made of of west ham because it it seems to me they're a team there for the taking and and as we've just been talking about one of those games where we we absolutely have to pick up some points they're such an odd bunch. I mean, for such a, I mean, a, a team that, that's finished sixth and seventh in the last two seasons and then brought in some real quality players addressing some key problem areas in that team um, last summer to have suddenly collapsed in the league is is baffling. I mean, I suspect part of that is um, sort of an inherent conservatism from uh, David Moyes. Previously, they they were always the sort of, well set up defensive team who could then who would then hit teams on the break with Antonio um sort of tearing a tearing a path um through any defense and he Antonio's not been not been anywhere near um his normal level this season um looked all right i think against um Larnaca in midweek in the in the conference league and they've they've won every game they've played in in that competition so far this season but you would imagine that their their big thing has got to be making sure they're they're fine in the league. And hmm. actually, we we kind of go into it in a in a bit of a sort of four D chess sort of um, uh, scenario with this, whereby if we go and win at West Ham, David Moyes almost certainly gets sacked, and then West Ham brings someone in and they pull clear very comfortably. Um, <laughs> whereas whereas if we go there and I mean if we lose, then Moyes is obviously fine. But we but we don't want that. If we go there and get a draw. That's probably okay to keep Moyes in a job for for another couple of weeks, and they can kind of push that down the road, kick that can down the road another couple of weeks. But I think realistically, we just as, as ever look after look after your own interests. And West Ham are going to be a team that that will need to need to be attack minded against us. They will look at us and think, well, conceded forty six goals in in Premier League this season. They're they're a weak defensive team, um, so they will have to I mean their fans will demand that they're that they're an attacking force against us and that gives us an opportunity to pick them off sort of at, at the other end on in transitions in the way mm. that we did in the way that we did to Spurs yesterday um so that's got to give us give us a good opportunity I think and yeah key key is getting getting the right players back fit I would assume with Bella Kotchap's shoulder I would imagine he'll be a he'll be a slightly longer term um absence so you're looking at um, if assuming Bednarek is is probably okay after after two weeks of rest, I don't think he's broken anything with his ribs. So if he's okay after after two weeks um, recovery, then him and Salasu with Walker Peters and Perro either side should be should be fine. It's that's I would 
to be honest, I would have I would have said that any I mean, to be honest, kind of any any combination of the of those three centre backs with with those specific fullbacks, I think is our best defensive setup as long as you've got the midfield screen. And now we haven't got any other than the I think Bournemouth's the only midweek game we've got left now, isn't it? Yeah, the, the um, Thursday night, isn't it? There's no um, there's no excuse to be resting and rotating players now. Um, you've got one game a week. Everybody's got you've got to be playing. I mean, obviously, other than maybe a few switches for, say, Man City or Arsenal, where you might you might go a slightly different tactical system, which might um, swap out um, certain players for more defensive-minded players. I think you go with you you work on your best eleven, and you you pick those every every game, regardless, as long as everyone's fit, and you've got to kind of hope that the system that we've now that we now seem to be reasonably satisfied with gives us enough quality to um to pull us pull us up enough places in that table i mean then, yeah. let's be honest there's, there's still a hell of a lot of dross in that there's uh, a in that we, we, we we picked a really good year to be rubbish haven't yes. we uh, oh, let's absolutely. be honest um glenn west ham are gonna be right on their manager's case if we start this game well is that the key do you think get that get a goal because we have won there you know we won there i think last time out because for a while we had, we just couldn't beg yeah. steal or borrow in there could we nothing would go for us and then actually uh it was the christmas game wasn't it we went there and we won three two i think yeah. so so we can get a result there um and, and that getting an early goal is going to be key lavia i assume he's going to start that one the four two 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 well it was um last year it was uh amado Broja's game wasn't it he um yes. he he dominated on that game and uh that's what got us the win it was my favorite game of the season actually i know everyone picked the the, um, the the Spurs game, but uh, I, I enjoyed that West Ham one more. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's nice to have won there last year because, as you said, the previous four years to that or whatever had been horrendous. I think they'd been uniform 3-0 defeats. Um, I think we might have got one goal in one of them, got beat 3-1 or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Euro Conference League, it's um, it's an interesting one. It's probably what's kept David Moyes in the job because it's, it's ridiculous that with the, the players that they've got, the squad they've got, set up they've got, that they are in and around the bottom three. It's 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 ridiculous, even more so than Leicester, who we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. I, I think patience is wearing very, very thin with, with David Moyes. Um, when West Ham were at the Berlin ground, the, they could turn quite quickly. Uh, I'm not sure if it's quite the same. Uh, well, it's from, from about 50 yards away here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's probably not as loud. Um, so I, I don't know if we can if we scored an early goal, whether that would um, change the atmosphere. I don't know. It's that toxic at the moment, but, um, but yeah, I agree. I agree with Steve's point. I think if we go there and win, then it, it will be, but, um, but I'm sure they'll support their team throughout. And um, got Danny Ings, of course. Oh yes. is um, going to be an interesting one. If he manages to um, not break anything in the next couple of weeks, he'll be uh, probably leading the line and um, you know, Bottom line, he's a he's a snake, but we all know he's a he's a very good player. He can finish, um, yeah. Yeah, they've got a bit like us with Romeo Lavia. They've probably got Declan Rice for the rest of this season, so I'm sure they're going to um, they're going to play him every game. And uh, I noticed that he's been sort of I don't know it's one game they set up sort of four one four one, and he was like the sole defensive midfielder, which which seemed, you know, it's unusual this, these days for teams to do that. Um, so maybe that's an area that we can um, we can get around. Dangerous players like Ben Rama and Bowen 
Um, but they're just as likely not to be starting because, as, um, as Steve has said, David Moyes seems to be uh, very, very defensive minded. So Ben Rama in particular, even though he's got decent output, they don't, Moyes doesn't seem to fully trust him or whatever. So, um, yeah, cliche time. It is, it is a massive six pointer, obviously. And, um, and it, and it will set the tone, you know, it, it will set the tone that, you know, a win in that game will be massive mm. for us, not just because it will, you know, lift us a couple of places up the table probably, but it will, it will certainly uh, put a, put a big, big spike in West Ham. So, uh, you know, someone's got to go down and obviously we don't care who, who it is out of the other three, but uh, you know, we need to win one of these games. We really need to win one of these games. And, and I would suggest the priority in this game will be not to lose, but, you know, it's it's a game. Just imagine the reward of winning. So that's that's yeah. um, that's what I would like us to focus on. It's a good time to play them, Alfie, isn't it? Um, I was doing my research earlier. I think it was Wigan and Leicester have survived in the Premier League when they were mm. bottom with ten games left to go. You talked about Ruben Sellers and the, and the ten games and that mentality. They they've got to get everything right over the next couple of weeks and and start that game. That first 10, 15, 20 minutes is going to be really key for what happens going forward. Yeah, and I think you good research of what was it, Wigan and Leicester, only two teams that have done it. Uh, I imagine that if you look at the bottom place with 10 games to go, uh, every other season, the Premier League has been a lot, um, you know, there's been a lot more space between the teams. Like this is this is incredibly close. Um, you know, it's only two points from safety with 10 games. It really, you know, you beat West Ham and you could well be out of the relegation zone and you might never fall back into it over the course of the next nine games. So it, it's that close. There's that much potential there. I think um, in terms of adding on to what Steve said, I think that going to West Ham, is potentially the, the best possible 50-50 game they could have. You know, whereas if Forest were to come to St Mary's or something, you know, they'd be more than happy sitting back with a nil-nil, and then they might mm. just nick it. Other, you know, other teams have come and done that. Whereas I agree that West Ham, the impetus will be on them to attack. And I think that of all the games that is a big six-pointer, this might be the one. I'm telling myself this now because if I don't believe it, there's no point. <laughs> but this might be the one that it actually suits them suits them better than the opposition. Um, and yeah, what a feeling it would be. Um, West Ham away last year was one of my favourites as well. Uh, Glenn, I really enjoyed that on Boxing Day of all days. And Jan Benrek, I think, scored a header as well. Um, so hopefully we'll see that again. It's quite a good atmosphere. Apparently, when you travel to a game now, you've got um, when you get on the train, you've got everybody going to the ABBA concert and everybody going to the, the ground. And it's only when they get off the train, you've got everybody going to see ABBA goes left and everyone going to the football goes right. Mm. So it's quite a, it's an interesting atmosphere if, if West Ham don't get the win. When everyone's I must admit, I've there. been to the ABBA concert. That's what I'm on there. It was a great, it was a great <laughs> evening. So strongly recommend that. Very good. Uh, I'm going to ask you all for score predictions. Steve, you said 2-2, I think, a draw for the Spurs game. So um, I've got a feeling you were the, the closest, mm. uh, as it were. So I'm going to come to you first, Steve, for your your prediction for the West Ham game when we eventually get round to that one. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I'm always sort of reluctant to predict a good result off the back of a good result because we've, I mean, let's be honest, we've all seen this lot, um, and we know how how we tend to fail to follow up on a on a promising uh, promising performance and result with um, with sort of back to back results and performances. But I just think two weeks. West Ham have got a lot of a lot going on off the field. There's there's a load of ructions in like fans not happy with Karen Brady and David Sullivan. Obviously, David Gold died a few months ago, and the kind of power sort of set up at um, at London Stadium does seem a little bit um, a little bit off off kilter from the fan base. So they're they're not a happy bunch. But as long as they're in, they're still winning games in Europe, then. They're probably 
placatable. But I think if we go there and, as Alfie said, set our stall out early, get on get onto them from from the start, their their fans will turn very quickly, and it it can then be kind of a more manageable atmosphere for us. So yeah, I I think they'll score because I think Ings will score because that's what he does. Three uh, two again, why not? Three two. All right. I'm a bit worried about your prediction, Glenn. You didn't even want the dog to hear it. You've actually lost <laughs> him out. <laughs> we we're should have asked lose. him for his prediction. We're uh, going to lose four nil. No, we're not. Um, I'll, I'll 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 go for the I'll go for the optimistic one nil win. I, I I think they will be slightly more tentative than we are. I, I just I just think we'll we'll go there and we'll have a we'll have a definite plan. I don't think Moyes will go flying at us um but there will be some onus on them to attack and and i i just don't think i don't think they're good enough to to stop us from scoring as long as as long as we don't have one of those dreadful days where we don't create a thing i can um i can see us having enough about us to um to give them a few problems so i'll um i'll go for a one nil win all right and alfie is it a case of the winner takes it all yeah, I'm going for a 2-1 win, I think, for sure. Um, I think Southampton take a relatively early lead. West Ham come back into the game and then maybe one of the substitutions, maybe Sekumara or uh, Kamaldin Suleimana involved in quite a late breakaway 2-1 win. Everyone's happy. Some good positivity. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone back on the train to back on the train at Waterloo as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, Steve, quick one on the uh, the women's game today. It seems like the curse of not being able to score goals is, is spreading to the other teams. That was a, a disappointing result for the ladies this afternoon and it, it looks like their season is, is pretty much over now. Uh, yeah, season's done really. Nothing to play for with Bristol City. I think 11 points clear possibly, but we've only, we've only got five games to go. There's no chance that's being overturned um, now. And to be honest, they've got, they've got a, a bit of a bit of a job on to stay in the top even the top five, I think, with uh, Birmingham below and Palace also with with games in hand. Yeah, same as same as the men's first team uh, can't score goals. Um, they have a lot of a lot of the um, possession. Played nice enough football. Once they get up within within the final sort of thirty yards of the pitch, there's not enough pace to the game. Not enough, uh, probably not enough movement. And yeah, it's been been frustrating because you can see that defensively they're they're sound. They've only I think they've only let in eleven goals all season. So at, at the um at the defensive end they've they've been excellent but yeah you're not going to win enough games um if you're not scoring more than the, I mean they're much like the first te- men's first team they're not scoring a goal a game and yeah you can't can't expect to be pushing for a title with with that sort of record unfortunately yeah simple game isn't it thank you for joining us this week don't forget you can follow total saints podcast on facebook and twitter it's at total saints pod on the website totalsaints.co.uk there's a link to our online shop which is the total saints icons you can also drop us an email there as well anytime you like over the next couple of weeks with your thoughts uh, you'll also find us of course on patreon and that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast four different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month and each of the tiers comes with different perks including some weekly shouts for those patrons in our francis benali and our mick shannon tiers so thanks to dave melton uh, mark atkins matt hall andy hollis and anthony thompson who are all in our francis benali tier and also to colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in the mick shannon tier um thank you steve thank you glenn thank you alfie thank you for watching thank you for listening of course it's the international break next week so no podcast but we'll see you in a couple of weeks time enjoy
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.